Welcome to the Brilliant Light Wellness Podcast, where host Joanne Nuaduck and her expert guests will shed light on issues that impact your health, love, and happiness. Hello, and welcome to Brilliant Light Wellness, where we shed light on the issues that impact your health, love, and happiness. I'm Joanne Nuaduck, and today I am talking to Dr. Will Fortin. And we have an interesting topic because we're going to delve into how melanoma, female stress incontinence, and cannabis prescribing flow together. I'm really fascinated at how this is going to come together. But first, let's welcome my guest, Will. Hi, Joanne. Thanks for having me on the show today. Well, I'm so thrilled that you took time out of your busy schedule to come and talk to us. I've been quite fascinated with your story and your specialty of interest. That's really kind of the the golden thread that we're talking about is um, I understand you're a GP working in Alberta, Canada, and and you have three very seemingly um, distinct areas of interest but there's a golden thread that we them together and i'm hoping you'll share that story with us i'd love to i think it's either either there's this really complex story or i just get bored easily and i do lots of different <laughs> things um so yeah, but can you share a little bit about how i i personally love hearing how people come to where they are now especially when they're doing something interesting because i'm sure you didn't sit in your grade three classroom and the teacher said what do you want to be when you grow up it might have been a doctor, but these areas of specialty, I'm sure, never crossed your mind. Uh, no, actually, in grade three, I wanted to be an astronaut. Oh, um, perfect. And it was, it was a long time um, before I even considered medicine. Um, and I was doing graduate work in Dalhousie, and I was teaching medical students neuroanatomy. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. And I realized, you know, there was always this part of me, this is why I'm not clever enough to be a physician. And then I met these students and I went, well, I'm not less clever than they are. So maybe, and a friend of mine encouraged me. And then I just went to med school. Um, so it was, that was sort of the beginning of the journey. Um, but what started, I think the, the skin cancer interest was that during medical school, I actually developed melanoma. Wow. And when you're a medical student, of course, you catastrophize because everything that happens, you know, is the worst possible thing. So oh, I know was, that. Being a nurse, I totally get it. Every time you read about something new, it's like, oh my goodness, that's what I have. Exactly. You know, you fit the description of a lot of things. And then you're like, <laughs> it's like, oh boy. But, um, but it, was, it was interesting, the experience, because I wasn't diagnosed or it wasn't caught by a physician. Um, I had this mole on my right cheek forever and nobody noticed it, you know, it was changing, not the attendings that I was being taught by, not my classmates who had finished uh, the dermatology course. It happened to be my mom who came to visit one day and looked at me and says, you need to get that thing checked. Good for moms. Moms Moms know their babies. Moms know their babies. That's a really important message. They really do. So, and that's, that's a thing I've carried through medicine. If a mom comes in and says something's wrong, I don't know what it is. You go looking because she's always right. Anyway. Excellent. Um, so she, um, so she said, you better get that checked. And I looked in the mirror and thought, sure. Okay. Well, Greg Storick, who taught us our, our dermatology course, which incidentally was, I think only two weeks long in, in med school. I'll come mm. to that later. Um, said, look, if you think you have a melanoma, I want you to make an appointment, come and see me. 
and we'll take care of it. So I called his office and what happens is you, they, they greet you at the phone and say, well, you need a referral, you need this, you need that. And so I finally convinced them after some. Yeah, some, the gatekeepers. The gatekeepers, exactly. And managed to get in, you know, several months down the road. Greg looks at it and goes, I don't know, but let's biopsy it. And a week later, he calls me and says, that's melanoma. You got to have that thing off. And that's like, oh boy, oh boy. Anyway, so I had it off and I was very lucky because uh, Dr. Arlette, who did most surgery, had at that time Clara Temple. Um, Clara Temple had just finished her fellowship in plastics and was going to work at the um, cutaneous oncology division of the Tom Baker. Mm-hmm. I'm very familiar with that. Yeah. yeah, she's now the head of it. So yes, she was just filling time until her position started. And she did a lovely job removing this. And that was in 2004. And I'm still here in Knockwood. Fantastic. Um, but it occurred to me after the floods of 2013, I had a lot of time on my hands because the hospital was closed. I was working in High River. My office was destroyed. So we were, I had extra time, which you don't always have. No. Uh, and I decided to go to, to, to take a course um, and do in an old love, which was dermatology. Um, I would have considered dermatology, but there's never, there wasn't a residency program in Calgary. And I had to be here because I was divorced and had a daughter and wanted to stick around. Anyway, mm-hmm. so I just I just loved it, and I thought, well, I got to do something with this. So I I did the diploma in dermatology through the Australian Institute of Dermatology. I did some certificate work um, through something called Health Cert in Australia on skin cancer medicine, and I contacted an old schoolmate, um, Dr. Jeffrey Dawes, who runs the Calgary Most Surgery Center. He's a plastic surgeon as well, mm-hmm. um, and a, a very fine one, if I could put a plug in for him. Um, yeah. Anyway, he he i spent a year with him um going in there weekly and doing cancer surgeries and sort of fine-tuning my surgical skills which i had practiced for the last you know six years or so in in the hospital and then i set up my own clinic and the advantage i see to this is that because i'm a gp there's two things one you don't need a referral to see me so anybody can call the office and make an appointment say i have a spot want looked at or i want a full skin check no problems. Um, and then the other thing is, is I'm because I'm a GTM GP, I'm in the unique position that I can spend extra time with patients. Um, mm-hmm. And there's a lot of education that I can do and I can focus on the preventative side of things, what you can do to keep your skin healthy and prevent the skin cancers, which is very important to me because if you can prevent the melanoma or, or catch it early, then you live. Absolutely. And, and I know all too well being an oncology nurse by trade, um, when they're not caught early and what can happen. So I'm just wondering if at this point, obviously, you know, skin and issues of the skin and skin cancers is a very visual, but yes. is there something just, you know, verbally that we, you could, a, a, a pearl of advice that you could share on what people should do if they have a concern of a spot. Yeah, absolutely. I, there's, there's, no, there's nothing too small to be looked at. Nothing so inconsequential. If you, if somebody's looked at it and said, hmm, I don't know what that is. Um, we should just watch it. That's not the right answer. If they can't give you a name for it or they don't biopsy it, that's not sufficient for me. Call me, but listen to the people who are looking at you. Yeah. Um, if someone says, you know, you should get that looked at, they're probably right. 
Mm-hmm. Most most skin cancers are discovered that way. It's not a it's not a thing that's done primarily. People don't just sort of walk into a dermatologist's office and say, "Hey, is this a cancer?" It looks funny. So there's okay. there's lots of things to look at. Um, usually, it's a, if a mole is changing. Um, right. If you think of the A B C D E's, right? Asymmetry. If you draw an imaginary line through a mole and the top half and the bottom half or the left and the right are different, maybe you should have it looked at. If the border is is irregular, instead of being round and smooth, um, it has like little bites out of it or or sharp edges. Um, if the color changes, especially black, if you see something black, you walk into my office, I will take a look at it between patients if you want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's important. Um, diameter. If it's getting bigger, anything over six millimeters in size, roughly the size of an eraser on a pencil, if anyone still knows what that is. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, and then E can be um, evolving. In other words, it's changing over time or elevation if a flat mole has suddenly become much higher. Um, but then in terms of other things, things that aren't actually considered moles, you might look at things that are crusty, um, changing in shape, if it's bleeding, um, if it yep. ulcerates, um, if it's new or has a funny texture, um, all of those things, anything that just doesn't look right or just sticks around for a long time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I know there's a, you um, had a mole on your face. And what's interesting is sometimes people just look at you and they don't actually see past sort of your energy and what you're doing. You know, you're, right. you said that nobody else, your mom, though, really was watching you. Uh, but it, it, I've had people say, oh, well, I was at my doctor's. And I go, but did you have an actual skin check? And I'm like, well, no, I said, well, they're not necessarily going to look at it or notice it unless you point it out. So it's really, I, I personally think it's good to go in and have a skin check. And I very much appreciate the way my own uh, family doctor works that when I have my physical, when I sit up, she's listened to my heart. She actually is very aware and she will even say, I'm just taking a look at your back because that's somewhere where you can't see. And I understand that there's actually a really high incidence of people getting skin cancer uh, in weird spots like at the back of their knees or my own was at my temple I had a tiny piece of skin that I always felt like it was a recurring uh, piece of eczema a little spot of eczema and I finally pointed out and no one actually could see it because it's hot hidden behind my glasses and I just said what is this it gets itchy but it kept coming and going yeah which, so I never suspected it for quite a while. Luckily, it was not a melanoma. It was what we call a um, basal cell carcinoma, which has a very scary name, but is quite treatable. Very um, treatable, yeah. Yeah, but there's lots of, you know, I have a friend that her dermatologist says she has busy skin, right? <laughs> She's, she herself <laughs> says, it's yeah. horrible getting older. I feel like I have barnacles. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is terrible, but when you have when you have very clear skin and something pops up, it's quite noticeable. But I think yeah. people that do have busy skin, it's so important for them to either have a family doctor or a dermatologist yeah. that is always watching for these changes as well. Absolutely. And that, that brings me back to the little comment I made about two weeks of training. Now, this is unless you actually become a dermatologist, that's your training. Um, mm-hmm. you, you almost get no other dermatological training in any residency program. Wow. I certainly didn't in, in family medicine, except for what I personally sought out. Mm-hmm. I actually went back and, and did some, uh, 
spent some time with Dr. Stowark and very gratefully because he, he taught me a lot, even in just the week that we had. Um, but it's, it's because of that, people may not recognize things, not, not in a, in a callous or um, in, in comp- incompetent way, just that you just haven't been trained. So that's why I think it's important to, to get extra training. And especially in Australia, this is how it's done. Almost all skin cancer uh, management and diagnosis is now done by family docs in um, Australia because the rates of cancer there are so high. It just overwhelmed the system. Now in Canada, there's just a little over 600 dermatologists for a population of 35 million, and they're overwhelmed, right? They really are right now. It's quite a long wait to get in. Yeah, and it's so I, I see my role is basically as a, a screening tool so that I can say, yep, that's not a cancer. It's this thing. It's this is how we're going to manage it. And if it is something like I found in the last one to two years, four melanomas at different stages. Really? Um, yeah. So that I basically my job was to make the diagnosis, but then they get referred on to the Tom Baker where they're managed completely there. Um, absolutely. Which so, includes surgical removal and, and absolutely. surgical meme, you know, obviously, it's the mole on top of the skin, but melanomas can go in quite deep. Like a little mole can go in quite deeply under under the skin. And of course, they want to check because melanoma has the capacity to metastasize to the lymph nodes and other organs. So it really is important for people to get this looked at. Absolutely. Because it is, I mean, if you get it early, like in my case, um, you get to live. If it comes mm-hmm. late, it's not so much. It's actually, it's probably the most deadly cancer known. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, they're working on it. They're getting closer and closer to cure. They're extending the lives of people right now, but there's, um, we're not to the point now where with like some with other cancers, you extend your life significantly. So it's important yeah. to get it yeah. early. And that, that depth that you're talking about, there's, there's two measures. There's something called a Breslow depth and a Clark's level. And that sort of determines um, how bad the cancer is. Right. And the deeper, as you say, it, it infiltrates the worst because then you're right. It does get distributed through lymph nodes and through uh, the blood vessels and it becomes an issue. Right. Um, so it's looking. So what would you say at this point is one of the best ways to uh, take care of your skin and prevent uh, various skin issues, including cancers, skin cancers? Right. Yeah. So healthy skin. There is let's that comes down to skin aging um skin and skin trauma i guess you could call it the the most the predominant problem for for that is ultraviolet radiation which comes from the sun right um almost all skin cancers associated with with the sun and it increases your risk significantly so any source of uv so being out in the sun uh tanning beds People who work um, in offices that use ultraviolet uh, light to keep uh, instruments sterile. Um, People who get nails, their nails um, done, who put their fingers into one of the ultraviolet drying to harden the acrylic. I've Um, never thought of that. Yeah, that's actually an issue because you can can get melanoma under the nails. Um, Oh my goodness, that would be very difficult to uh, figure out what that is, like to notice that and recognize it. It's important because there's a, there's a few things in the differential that are benign, um, but it's the only way to, to do it really is to do a biopsy. And that usually means if you're really concerned about it, that means a nail yeah. biopsy, taking the nail off. Oh my goodness. Right. Yeah. So you, I would just say, if you don't want that, avoid the, avoid the, the ultraviolet light. Wow. Um, then so, there's, 
go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I, I uh, keep going. You had some other suggestions. Oh yeah. So it's so that there's there's a few things that are important. Wear a hat. Yeah. Okay. Wear sunglasses because your eyes, um, your eyes can get melanoma, but you can also damage them. It's and it's an interesting story because when I, I I was so stressed that I had this melanoma, I scraped together a few extra dollars as a poor medical student and went to get my a massage. And I, the woman who was to give the massage, I looked at her and her, her, her left eye looked funny. It looked sort of like a cat eye. And so, of course, I'm curious. And I asked her and she said, well, I had melanoma. <laughs> so there wow, melanoma isn't that a coincidence? Was, isn't it just? Yeah. So that yeah. was like, wow. No coincidence there. So I'll have a big scar on my Right. There are no coincidences. Um, yeah. So I'll have a big scar on my face, but she had to have her eye cut. And that was, that's scary. Yes. Um, so sunglasses protect your eyes sunscreen mm-hmm. absolutely must wear sunscreen when you're out and about um and there there's two fundamental types of sunscreen there's the chemical based ones and then there's the the mineral based ones excellent I, prefer- I was just about to ask you about that because so many people there's so much out there going it really is a fine balance of walking how much chemicals do we put on our skin and do they have their own negative effect but actually they do yeah so there's um the the chemical-based ones now, they had been sus- suspected to cause problems. Like some of the, the chemical-based um, sunscreens were thought to be hormone disruptors. Um, okay. And the question is, does it get into the blood? Well, there's just in the last few weeks, there's been an FDA study that shows that, yeah, there's actually a significant amount that gets into the blood. Um, so we have to reevaluate this. And it wow. includes, you know, the... Interesting. The, the big chemical names like oxybenzone and avobenzone. And so caution is, I mean, on the other hand, you, you know, what's the best sunscreen? The one you have in your pocket, I guess. But I, I tend to prefer the mineral-based ones because they do not get below the skin. They sit on the surface of the skin and they reflect away the light and they're broad bands. So they get rid of UVA and UVB. That's the sort of sub bands of ultraviolet light. Um, UVA penetrates deeply. That's what causes aging in the UVB. So think UVA, UV aging. UVB um, is penetrates just into the epidermis, and that's what causes the the burn, the erythema. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you can block all of that, you're in good shape. So titanium dioxide, zinc oxide, best. And then if you can find one that has a um, an antioxidant in it, that's good too. Um, that's because beyond the, beyond the heat and the burn that's causing it, you're, um, you're creating, um, changes in the skin that may need some antioxidant, which prevents aging. The chemical ones work differently because they break, they absorb the energy. And then once it's, once the molecule is broken, it's no good anymore, but now you've created heat in the skin. And now you've got these two reactive species that are sitting on the skin that need an antioxidant to prevent more damage. So the chemical itself can cause damage. So interesting. That's why, yeah. Yeah. There's one, yeah. Is there another one? No, no. It's just one fun fact. Cause I'm sorry. I love to talk. Maybe. Oh, no, no, that's good. That's um, good. I don't want to, I don't want to <laughs> stop the interest. I um, keep going. Keep going. The next question is, is what, what SPF do you use? And it turns out SPF 30 is probably about what you need. The difference between an SPF 30 and SPF 60 is maybe somewhere between one and 3% additional pr- protection. I've heard so that. Yeah. So if you're using a, a chemical-based one, you double the chemical load without doing much in terms of protection. So SPF 30 is fine. Reply, reapply everything every two hours. And then just try to avoid the sun at peak hours, which varies between 10 and 2 and 10 and 4, depending on where you are. 
Interesting. That's fantastic. On mm. that note, uh, we're going to take a short break. And I want to ask you how all of this and this interest in skin then led you, we won't have time to go too in depth, but I, I would like to know how that then led you into some female health issues and also uh, getting into a, a, fascinated, a fascination, I guess, with um, understanding how cannabis can be used at medical um, cannabis or medical marijuana, as many people say, because okay. I understand you're a licensed prescriber. So we'll just take a, a short pause here. What's your stress level? What areas of your life support you and which ones drain your energy? Chronic stress can erode your health, affect your work, your loved ones, and your vitality. Chronic illness and pain cause stress, so it becomes a vicious cycle. But what can you do about it? Brilliant Light Wellness offers effective, simple ways to break this cycle and support your body to relax, heal, and revitalize. To access your free stress evaluation and tips to energize your life, visit Joanne Neweduck at www.brilliantlightwellness.com. Together, let's shed light on your health and happiness. Hello and welcome back to the Brilliant Light Wellness Podcast. My guest today is William Fortin. And he is a GP here in Alberta, Canada. And we've been talking on the first half of the podcast all about skin cancers, melanoma, how we look at the spots that we have on our body. When do we go and get these looked at? When do we have concerns? Really, some of the treatments and some of the preventions. So, uh, Dr. Fortin, welcome back. Thank you. Do I have you back? Did you I have you back. Oh, fantastic. I'm sorry. I couldn't hear your sound for a moment. Um, that was such a wealth of information before our break there of what we can do. I know for myself what's interesting, and, and maybe you can shed some light on this uh, just to wind up our section on talking about skin is you you did say that there look for the mineral based types of sunscreen to use sure. wear hat wear cover up we want to but there is there's also a bit of a challenge i i do quite a bit of research around light and i i work with um polychromatic light therapy for oh, the yeah. very reason that we need light our our beings need light Mm-hmm. But of course, you have the UVA and the UVB that's damaging to our skin. But there's other light frequencies that are very health beneficial. Of course, the the red and the near infrared um, that penetrates into our skin actually raises our um, nitric oxide levels, and it helps with cardiac health. And uh, I, I, an article I was reading recently talked about, you know, is sunscreen the new margarine kind of like it, it's, it's good to protect our skin, but it can have other issues. So do you, is there any, what I've heard, and I'm just curious as to your um, take on this, is their recommendation is if you're out in the early morning sun or later evening when the UV rays are not so strong, that it's okay to get to get some sunlight initially because we want our vitamin D, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, and then put the sunscreens on more for the really peak times. What, what's your thought on that? It's interesting because believe it or not, you probably only need a total of 30 minutes a day of sun exposure on your, your arms, your face and your hands and chest to get enough vitamin D for the day. 
Um, so it, it's not as big an issue, I think, as many people have been led to believe. Um, plus, you also get in your diet vitamin D that's been you know added right. to various fortified foods. Mm-hmm. So yeah, early in the day, sure, why not? But you got to you do have to be careful not to let your skin burn. Um, and then right. there's other things. Yeah, you touched upon uh, phototherapy. Yeah, great idea. I love it. Um, we do a little bit of Thank that you. here in our office as well. And it's and then what else? And then all the other things you can do besides just avoidance, right? Eat a healthy diet. Eat the rainbow. You, yes. Um, uh, get exercise, a good night's sleep, reduce stress in your life. All the things that make you feel healthy are good for your skin. And then one of the things that um, we do here is this topical vitamin A. Um, mm. We use we carry. When I started the whole process, I said I'm I'm a GP. I should be looking at prevention. And I thought, well, what am I supposed to do? And it turns out somebody had already done it for me. His name was Dr. Des Fernandez, and he did this 30 years ago. He's a plastic surgeon who lost two patients to melanoma early in his career. And so it set him on a track to find out what makes healthy skin. It turns out vitamin A is a cornerstone ingredient. Um, and we Used topically? Used topically, yeah. Because you, you can use it internally as well. But remember, every cell in the body needs vitamin A. Um, so by the time it gets to the skin, there's not much left. And that's why when you treat people with vitamin A for, for acne, you're giving them, you know, a thousand times the recommended daily allowance. So yeah, it can be quite harsh on the body though, as well. Absolutely. So it has to be used under medical supervision and, and, and really needed in that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Because you can really hurt the liver. It's a fat soluble vitamin, Yes. but yes. what you put on the skin stays in the skin. It doesn't get transported out. Um, and so that combined with some other essential vitamins, vitamin C, vitamin E, and the skin plus peptides, um, you build this healthy, thick layer of, of, of skin, including the epidermis, and then re- restoring the, the dermis where all of your collagen and elastin is. Um, and then there's other things that you can do. It's sort of For us, it comes under the, the, the mantra, nourish, nurture, protect. Nourish, give the skin what it needs to do well, nurture it. do things for the skin that encourage it to heal and of course protect you know all those things that we mentioned before about sunscreen and hats and sunglasses so this is what we do here we put we try to put this all together for you which is the advantage i think of i really say that again nourish nurture protect nurture protect that is the fantastic model for any aspect of the of the system. Absolutely. Now, you know, it's been so fascinating talking to you about cutaneous, which is our yeah. skin. Um, I would like to at least do a teaser for the other two areas that you have sure. a special interest in and perhaps have you on a future talk again. So, oh, sure. so yeah, because we're, we're, we're not quite out of time, but we're getting close yeah. now. You were interested in skin, but then the other area that I know you work with at your practice is you were talking about female stress incontinence. Mm-hmm. Like in a nutshell, how did like having an interest in skin swing into that and then lead into learning about the benefits of cannabis? So actually they all came sort of parallel and then overlap okay. sort of more recently. So I trained, I did extra training as a resident in obstetrics. I loved delivering babies. And I did uh-huh. it for a number of years. Um, and, I, and I trained so that because I wanted to minimize birth injuries. I don't think. Um, so minimize needing to have to do a repair if someone tear, had a tear, but knowing how to repair it properly so they wouldn't tear again later. Which but is then, all about our skin. 
which is yes, exactly. And that's, that's where the overlap comes down. I get it. um, But the problem I always saw is that women have been told for years that, well, it's just part of being a woman. You're just going to pee yourself and you get your boys pads. And yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah. Can you see the eyeballs rolling in my head or can you hear them? Yeah, just, yeah. <laughs> just, exactly. And it infuriates me because that's, that's not the way it is. I mean, I used to joke that, you know, I'm pretty sure that childbirth, that God is a man because no woman would have designed a system that ridiculous, right? That, mm-hmm. um, because it comes with so many problems, but among them, stress urinary incontinence, uh, as you all know, that when you deliver a baby, there's a lot of stretching, the muscle stretch. Um, it stretches the, 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 muscle that suspends the urethra, um, making it weaker and creating um, incontinence when you laugh or jump on a trampoline or just mm-hmm. want to have, you know, fun walking around or doing yoga. It's, it's, it's impossible. But so that one day I was introduced to this device called Votiva and we've been, we've brought it into the office and the results we see are absolutely fantastic. People get results with immediately after the um the procedure and the mm-hmm. science behind it is actually really sound because it's a radio frequency device and not a not a laser device and um it 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 works by heating the tissue so it's painless and i do mean painless the procedure is about 30 minutes and if you do a series of three you will get the best results you can possibly get so if I hear you correctly, what you're saying is because of your interest in uh, skin, shall mm-hmm. we say, for our listeners, then and your interest in delivering babies, I, yeah. I, I've, you know, as a nurse, I, I had opportunities to watch in my nursing days, my my school days, yeah. I watched babies being born. I absolutely loved it. Yeah. Um, so the skin of the vagina is what you're talking about exactly. that when it, it impacts the bladder That's and right. if well, you I... can support and make that healthier, it has an impact in the, uh, their ability for staying continent for, for not being themselves. Yeah. Because you, you've actually tightened, you've tightened the skin and the muscles and you've created new collagen, new elastin, new blood vessels, and new nerves. This is a new finding in the last month that was published. So Fantastic. besides besides that, it it restores the the architecture of the vaginal mucosa, the skin of the mucosa uh, the, of the vagina, uh, and improves improves sensation, improves moisturization. Um, so and because of all of that, and because you're no longer incontinent, reduces your risk of infections such as urinary tract infections and yeast infections. Um, we could do a whole another hour talk on this. We absolutely I could. I, we could, but that is, I get what you're talking about. It's all, it all flows together yeah. very well, but that is huge. That is really huge for women because I know that many face having surgery to correct this. Yeah. Issue. Don't, don't. And that's not come, necessarily needed, but I, I, and I also understand there, there is different types of urinary incontinence or different causes right. of urinary incontinence. And so right. this is a, an ability to treat stress incontinence. Correct. So the, the, the laughing, the jumping. Laugh for cough. Yes. Fantastic. And so let's just, cause I definitely know talking about cannabis use is a whole nother conversation. Yeah. What I'd love to hear though, is how did that come into play and how does it relate to the other two topics that you're very involved with? Again, it was a parallel course that converged. So um, a few 
four, five years back now, um, yes. a patient of mine came to me and said, doc, can I try this? And he was holding up a bottle of cannabis oil. And I'm like, sure, let's try it because we weren't getting anywhere with his pain. So shortly thereafter, I got contacted by someone I knew and says, Hey, I'm working for this place now. And, you know, um, do you want to prescribe cannabis? I'm like, sure. Let me take a look at it. And that over the time that, that led to me learning more about it and, um, and prescribing and seeing these amazing effects that go on with, um, with controlling pain and, and mood disorders and anxiety and sleep. It's just been, I've managed to get some people off some harsher drugs that I don't like and done very well. So then two, two things happen. First of all, the um, cannabis or THC or CBD and all the other cannabinoids um, act at receptors. THC acts at CB1 receptors and CB2 receptors as they're, they're called. And they are all over the skin. Um, in fact, THC is a sebastatic. It will reduce oily skin and treat acne. Um, CBD, which acts at different receptors, actually is a great anti-inflammatory. I've treated eczema with it and helped people with their psoriasis just using the oils before even going to a cream. So, oh, I see, like using the oil straight on the skin. Straight on the skin. Um, but there's probably better ways to do it than, you know, yes. just to create some formulations that include other things and working on that. But there's also um, a physician out in Ontario. He's a palliative care physician who has a patent now for a cream to treat ulcers. And I'm looking forward, looking forward to really? being able to use that. Yeah. Like bed ulcers. Yep. And then, wow. and then, okay. So again, that's the that's skin. Amazing. And then now, meanwhile, back in women's health, believe it or not, topical um, THC applied mm-hmm. to the mucosa um, or to the clitoris actually lowers um, um, the threshold for orgasm. So, and creates um, and in, induces more moisturization. So it's a very safe and, excellent way for women to sort of enjoy things a little bit more. That is okay. Now I definitely have to have you back on to further this conversation (laughs) with the, well, this is a huge issue. I, 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 Probably for younger women as well in certain cases. Sure, definitely for menopausal women and after one of the biggest complaints Mm-hmm. that women have is losing interest in in intimacy and uh physical sexuality yep. and mostly because menopause and hormone changes really affect that and, and, and it, it affects it affects the moisturization so yes. there was again there was a paper just published last week that i just read um, that when they looked at um, women over 50 and the reasons why they're not being intimate, what, what keeps them from being intimate is that the, the predominant reason was dryness. Absolutely. Dryness. So yeah. are you saying there's creams now already made commercially or is this a formulation that uh, needs to be made? Well, in, in the States, there's, there's commercial products available, but not yet in Canada. Uh, there mm. used to be, but then the, the the regulations changed a little bit, so they pulled it from the market initially. But basically, THC oil applied topically works just fine. Interesting. Um, yeah. Very fascinating. Yeah. Well, our, I can't. Our time is up, and I would love to just sit here and talk further. Me too. But I'd like to end off if we could recap your top three nuggets, maybe. Three nuggets from the three main topics we spoke about. So when it comes to skin, 
Get checked. Get, get checked. checked. Yep. Was, That's yeah. hard to have a look. Get checked. I was going to say you could reiterate your nourish. Oh, nourish, nurture, nurture protect. Nourish, nurture, protect. Excellent. Mm -hmm. And yeah. then uh, we spoke a bit about um, female stress incontinence. Yeah, we have a we have a solution that's non-surgical, um, and it works. It works like a like you wouldn't believe. Um, best device I've ever seen. And um, you don't have. To, it's not just part of being a woman. You these are things that can be fixed. Fantastic. I love that. Really, I would say your message. What I'm hearing as your message is that there is hope. Oh, there's and, definitely hope. Yeah. And lastly, dealing with uh, cannabis and... Cannabis is, is a great um, adjuvant in the armamentarian of prescribing. It can help reduce things like your opioids or sleeping pills or even some of your antidepressants when used in conjunction with it. I, we've had great success with it. So um, there's a lot of there's a lot of worry about it out there and, and concern, but it is actually probably it's it's safer than any drug on the market right now. Um, believe it or not, I do believe you, and it really yeah. is a matter of and and I think when your patients you have it's about a conversation. It's about exactly. finding out what is the right dosing, the right formulation, the 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 right timing of it. But I what I'm hearing from you and from any conversations I'm having around it is that there is a lot of potential and we're, it's really the tip of the iceberg as far as our knowledge on how to best use this medication. Absolutely true. Yeah. Yeah. This has been a fantastic conversation and I so appreciate you taking your time to be with us today. Well, I appreciate you having me on. It was, it was, it was great. And I'm, I look forward to future conversations. Excellent. Well, I look forward to you being on stage in front of our uh, community of the um, Fabulous at 50 and looking forward to even learning more about these three areas because there's something that impact us as a, as a whole society. And when there's hope to fix things and have a, live a better life, then we so appreciate people like yourself that take such a passionate interest and not just for yourself, but really to share that and, and help others. So thank you. Thank you very much. All right. Bye-bye. Have a great day. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Brilliant Light Wellness Podcast, where light is shed on issues that impact your health, love, and happiness. Join us weekly for new episodes. 